Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Amen. Praise God. The title of our message this morning is Because of Jesus. And this is lesson number two. And you know the Bible is all about Jesus. We thank God for who he is and all that he's done for us. Uh, this is the second lesson. And just a quick review. Look at Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6. There's only one chapter. We say Philemon. Some say Philemon. I say Philemon. <laughs> Take your pick. You can use any one that you want. But notice this. The communication of your faith may become effectual. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. To acknowledge every good thing in us is what enables our faith to be communicated effectively and efficiently. So in other words, God made some deposits in us that we need to be aware of and confess or acknowledge in our lives. We said Jesus is the high priest of our confession or profession. Last time we met, two weeks ago. We also said that there is a conflict between what God says and what our feelings and emotions say. Have you noticed that yet in your Christian experience? You know, your flesh says one thing, but God says another thing in spirit. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. So it's up to us to make a decision. You see, we could, deci- we could side with our emotional feelings or we can side with who we are in Christ. It's up to us to make that decision. But I guarantee you, You better watch who you give control of your tongue. Because if we give our emotions the key to our mouth, our tongue, that's dangerous. We can get ourselves in a whole lot of trouble and not even realizing it. And so as we continue our study, I want you to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Because you see, it's more than just reading a scripture. It's more than just even learning a book from the Bible. It's the reality of our redemption. It's who we are and what we have in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, are you in Christ this morning? That means you made him your Lord and Savior and that he's alive in you. And a work took place in your spirit. And what it was is this. If you're in Christ, you're a new creature, new creation, or a new species that never before existed. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, the old things is not talking about your flesh, the outward man. It's talking about your inward man. You pass from death to life and you have the life and nature of God on the inside of you. And so do I. So that's this new creation. But now look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. Look what it says here. Uh, That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, which is why we're here today. And that you put on the new man. Notice, put off the old man, put on the new man, which after God, whoa, is created in righteousness and true holiness. Did you hear that? This man on the inside that's a new creation was created after God in righteousness and true holiness. Now, you and I may not feel like righteous, holy new creations. But God says we are. So am I going to believe my feelings and emotions? Or am I going to believe what God says? Our feelings and emotions will tell us things that contradict the word of God. So we've got this outward man, we've got this inward man, and our minds have got to be renewed to what God says so that we can be changed. Now, look in the book of Romans chapter 8. Powerful, powerful uh, 
The whole chapter is powerful. Let's put it that way. But in the beginning, he talks about how there's two laws in operation. The law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. On the inside, we have the law of life at work. On the outside, we have the law of sin and death at work. And there's conflict between the two. There's warfare between the two. So this man on the inside wants to prevail. But the man on the outside wants to prevail also. So we have a battle for the mind because the way we think is what we become. So notice here, for they that are after the flesh, what do they do? Mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, they mind the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity, an active force of rebellion against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So even though we've been born again, washed in the blood, we've got the life of God in us. There are two laws at work in the earth. We've got the law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life. And the flesh is dominated by the law of of sin and death. It's been instructed and taught and trained to live the way it wants to live. With this new life in Christ on the inside of us. It's up to us to see to it that we put on what Christ put in. What God put in us, we must put on. Isn't that what Ephesians says? Put off the old man and put on the new man. Okay, but how do we do that? I know how to put on my coat, but how would I put on this new man? By acknowledging every good thing in us in Christ Jesus. That's how, by confessing. Every good thing in us in Christ Jesus. You see, these are the things we should be being taught in church. Not just to read a couple of scriptures and say, well, that's nice. How do I put on this new man? I've got him in me and he wants to prevail. But how do I put him on? How do I promote transformation in my life so that who I am on the inside will manifest on the outside? And here's how. Look in the book of James. You see, James, the half-brother of our Lord, was taught by Jesus certain things that I believe he effectively communicates to us in his epistle. Now, in James 1, verse 26, New Living Translation, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue. Boy, let's let that sink into our ears for a moment. You don't control your tongue. Then what happens? You're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless if we don't control the tongue. So he actually is saying if we don't bridle the tongue, we're deceiving our heart in the King James and our religious expression is unprofitable to ourselves and also to others that are around us. Now, remember, he is saying this after the whole first chapter talks about how their thinking was wrong. They thought that God was their problem, that God was unfair, that God was creating difficult situations in their lives. And because they thought that way, they were angry, they were upset. And James says, don't blame God for what you're going through because he's not the one who's the cause of your problem. You're in error by thinking that way. You know, don't think that way, he says. You've got to think differently. You've got to get delivered from your corrupt way of thinking and be a doer of the word prior verses to this so be a doer of the word not a hearer only and so learn to control your tongue by getting your mind renewed learning who you are in christ and what you have in him and recognizing that god's not the source of your problem the enemy is god is your help and helper he'll defend you he'll fight for you 
And he'll equip you and enable you to overcome whatever the situation might be. But you've got to cooperate with him. We all do. How do we do that? By acknowledging every good thing in us in Christ Jesus our Lord. So look at some of the things that Jesus taught James about the tongue. It may be small. Mm, So is my wife. But powerful. She's dynamic. (laughs) Powerful. Guaranteed. All right. Number one. It's small but mighty. Disproportionately powerful. Look what he uses. Let's read the verses first of all. Chapter 3 verses 2 through 5. Here James says something about the tongue. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word. The same as a perfect man. And able also notice to bridle the whole body. He said, if you don't bridle your body, your tongue rather, what happens? Your, it, your religion is worthless. You're deceiving your own heart. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth so now he says yes the tongue may be small in comparison to the whole body but it's mighty and powerful and he uses to illustrate this what the bit in a horse's mouth a horse can be from 1200 pounds to 1500 pounds a bit can weigh a pound that little one pound bit will direct the course that horse takes isn't that something to think about and what about a cruise ship I understand they're anywhere from 20,000 to 60,000 tons yet turned about with a rudder. A small thing. So it may seem like it's something small, but it's awful powerful and it will direct a person's life. As a matter of fact, look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. What it says, death and life are in the power of the foot. The ear. The eye. Death and life are in the power of the what? Tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, we will eat the fruit of our words. Words are seeds. And the seeds or words that we speak, eventually we're going to eat the fruit of those words is what he's saying. So in other words, death and life in the power of the tongue can bring death or life to ourselves as an individual to our marital relationship, to our family, to our friendships. And the list goes on of the many different other things that can be destroyed. To our churches can have life or death flowing in it by the words that we speak. Which is why Paul said to the congregation there at Corinth, be of one heart and one mind and speak the same thing. You know, we've got this up here for a reason. We believe we see the glory of God. When we come together, we believe we see the glory of God. We're not here just to be entertained by ourselves, by music or whatever. We want to see God show up. We want to see God manifest himself. Whether it's helping these young people to learn to know Jesus and quote the books of the Bible, someone being delivered from cancer, we want to see the hand of God move in power and might. The glory of God to fall, to save the lost, to heal the sick and set the captives free. This happens when we speak the word of God. And so death and life are in the power of the tongue. Look in the book of Proverbs. There are many different 
statements made. But look at the book of Proverbs chapter 10 verse 11. The words of the godly are a life giving fountain. The words of the wicked conceal valid intentions. So we see here it's a life giving fountain. Look at chapter 12 and verse 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring what? Healing. There's healing in the words that we speak. Jesus said, my words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And then look at chapter 15 and the first four verses. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pours out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. How powerful is that? But perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. So a wholesome tongue is like a tree of life. They could have partaken of the tree of life. Well, guess what? So can we right now. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And the words that we speak will do what? Bring forth life or bring forth death. So if we want to establish or set the course of our lives for good things, we need to find out what God's word says about us and begin to agree with God. And if you're already a born again Christian, find out what God deposited in you and start saying it, start agreeing with it, start declaring it and decreeing it. Why? Because two can't walk together except they be agreed. And so if we agree with what God says, even though my feelings and my emotions tell me something else, we can't go by that. If we go by that, we can bring death into our lives. But if we go by what God said, we open up the door for life. Now, I don't know about you, but I've looked at both of them. I think life's better than death. What about you? I'd rather have life than death. Amen. Okay, the second thing that we see here, according to James, is also found in uh, James chapter 3. It's, it's that the tongue is naturally evil. It is naturally evil, inherently evil. It's programmed for evil. Look at the verse. James chapter 3, verse 6, New Living Translation. Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Oh my, oh my. Do you know you don't have to train a child to spew out death? No one has to be trained for that. Trust me, we're already highly skilled and developed in speaking things that are derogatory that go against the word of God. We're already programmed to speak evil as we just begin to grow up. You don't have to. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this. I remember one time. I'm trying to remember which one of my six children did this. But they never hear wrong words spoken in our home. And so one day one got angry with the other one and stood there for a while and just said, you bathtub, you. Called them a bathtub. That's how they expressed their anger. <laughs> Think about that. Because they don't hear wrong words spoken like that. We don't use that kind of terminology. But um, all of us, to say something out of our mouths, out of a fit of anger, it's best not to say anything at that moment. Because we can spew out some things that really we don't want in our lives. That are detrimental, that are hurtful. But also it's true with regard to other things like uh, when it comes to reports that we hear, that we receive. We don't have to agree with the report, even though it may be naturally true. There's a higher report called the word of God. Whose report will we believe? Number three, James reveals this to us. This tongue is filled with deadly poison, venom like a snake's venom. 
And no man can tame it. Uh oh. No man can tame it? Then how, why try? Look what it says. Can't be tamed by man. But look at the verse. Verses 7 through 10. Every kind of beast and the birds of serpents and of the things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. Therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Well, if I could just put that in our modern vernacular, we can just say just like this. You know, there you were in church just praising and worshiping God and having a wonderful time. Then you got in the car and driving home and all of a sudden something happened and you just spewed out something to someone who's made after the similitude of God. Why do you get so quiet? <laughs> we're all made after the similitude of God. So if I'm addressing you with it, basically he is saying if you've done it to these, the least of my brethren, you've done it to me. So, in other words, he's trying to give us a wake-up call and just say, watch your words, watch the things that you say. You see, because if we're going to start agreeing with God and what he says, then we have to understand the need for us to know what he said, put what he said in our heart and mouth so that we can declare it and decree it. Why? Because we want to be transformed and changed. We want to set the course of our life for good things, for life and not for death. For good and not for evil. For blessing and not for cursing. Number four. And here's where we get to this. What, what, wait. First of all. Back it up. Psalm 93. Or 39 rather. Verses 1 through 4. Here is a revelation I believe we should all embrace. How many remember when King David stood before Goliath and he said what he said and brought down the giant? Remember that? He spoke words of faith. Words that enable him to overcome the enemy. And he also said, I chased down a lion, I chased down a bear, and I chased down this giant. He's going to be just like that, lion or bear. And what happened? He was victorious over the enemy. But now, no man can tame the tongue, and this goes to prove it. Here is the same David, and these are his words. I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. And after you hear this message, you're probably going to do the same thing that he said. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. And so I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good. And my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, meditating, pondering the situation, the fire burned in my soul. Then spake I with my tongue. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Oh, my no man can tame the tongue on his own, in his own efforts. How many times have we said, I'm going to make this New Year's resolution and never do that again? And it wasn't very long before you said, I can't do it. And you fall victim to whatever it was. You see, no matter how well-meaning we are, it's very difficult to tame this thing called this small member of the tongue. And watch the words that we speak. And unless we get a revelation of the fact that we're spewing out either life or death, we may not even have the motivation to do it. The words that we speak can produce life or death, blessing or cursing, good or evil, sickness or disease, and, and health, or financial blessings, or put you in a poorhouse. The list goes on and on. These are the options that we have. 
But it's up to us to put in sync the heart and the mouth that we possess and speak what God says and agree with what God says. Why? So the Holy Spirit can have something to work with so that the will of God can be accomplished and achieved in our lives. Now, number four, God's help is absolutely required and needed if we're going to control our tongue. Now, look here in Psalms 141, the same David, this is the same David who said, I tried to hold my tongue. I tried not to say something. Can you relate to that? I said, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. And before you know it, you got angrier and angrier and upset and more upset. And then finally you spewed it out and you knew when you did, you tried to pull those words back, but you could not pull those words back because once they've gone, they're going out there, they're floating out there and you can't bring them back. Okay. Lord, this is the same David, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me, give ear to my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth as incense before thee, and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Notice his request. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. So he is asking God to help him to control his words, to control his tongue. Because he realizes the importance of doing so. And he realizes, I can't do it on my own, so I need your help. So can you imagine if we would make this part of our daily prayer? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm going to acknowledge every good thing in me in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I am not who I am in the flesh. I am who I am in the spirit. Christ is in me, the hope of glory. And today the spirit of obedience will rest upon me and I will be obedient to carry out the plan, purpose, and will of God in thought, word, and in deed. And so, Father, I know how frail I am. I know my frame. I know that I need help controlling the tongue, my tongue, and the words that come out of my mouth. So I want you to set a guard over my lips. Buy as much duct tape as you need. But set a guard and a watch over my lips, over my mouth, so that when I say something wrong, I want to know it's offensive to you. You see, we can spew out things from our lips and not realize that we're offensive to God. When we speak out against his word, guess what? We're offensive to God. And actually, we are speaking out against the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I want to show you that. These are very important words that came from Jesus. Look in the book of um, uh, Psalms. Oh, wait a minute, let's, let's, let's finish this other one. James 1, 19. Once again, this goes back to James. We need divine assistance. Word for my beloved brethren, here's the pattern. Let every man be quick to hear. That means man, woman, and child. Every man be quick to hear, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Why, James? Because the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. So we are the righteousness of God, but the wrath of man is not going to make it work. It's up to us to remember these points be see to it that you and i are one we're quick to listen before we speak ponder it over think about it think before we speak and don't let anger be in control of our tongue don't let our emotional feelings control the tongue don't let them have the key to our lips to our mouths you see if we have no regard for our words if we think that our words are meaningless and unimportant then we won't put forth the motivation to do anything about it. But when we start realizing the things that we experience in this life are basically reaping the seeds sown with our tongue. And if we'll speak the truth of God's word, we can set the course of our lives for blessing, for health, for financial success, etc., etc. Um, if we'll do that, and if we know that, we make an avenue for God to work on our lives. 
in a powerful way. Now, look in Psalm 131. This, this is powerful. To me, when I read these verses, it just made so much sense and so, it's so meaningful to me. This is something that runs cross-grain with the way we are. This life on the inside and this life on the outside, like I said, is at war with each other. Young people in particular, listen, you've got something on the inside that's greater than your man on the outside. But your feelings and emotions want to take over and dictate to your life. But the life on the inside wants to dominate. But whoever we yield ourselves to is really is going to be the one who's in control. Lord, my heart's not haughty, mine eyes lofty, neither do, do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. Notice this, my soul is even as a weaned child. What's he saying? Every one of us needs to be weaned from our emotional feelings. I'm not saying they're not real. They are very real. real. They're genuinely real. But they will dominate our lives, our speech, will affect our conduct and character. So he is saying this, I've got to learn to be weaned as a child is weaned from its mother. He shows the close connection between our feelings and emotions and the things that we say. So it's a process. No child at the beginning likes to be weaned from its mother. Why? There's safety there. There's security there. And it's the same with us. We feel safe in talking about how we feel. I feel this way, so I'm going to express how I feel. And that's a lower truth. We're not saying you deny your feelings or emotions. But those feelings and emotions, if allowed to be controlled by the enemy, will take us down a path that we don't want to go. It's a destructive path for our lives. For example, let me just share with you this. If you had someone come to you and talk to you saying something like this, my life is really not worth living. I don't feel good about myself. I don't think my life has any meaning or purpose whatsoever. I might as well just end it. Nobody cares about me. No one thinks highly of me. And besides, in all this world, what does one measly little life mean to anyone else? What would you say to them? Would you agree with them? Or would you say, don't talk like that? Don't say those words. Well, what's that person doing? Expressing their feelings and their emotions, the way they think about themselves. They have no understanding or idea as to how God thinks of them, what he thinks of them. And when you start telling someone like that, but wait a minute, you're a child of God. Wait a minute. You are a masterpiece. You are the very workmanship of Jesus Christ himself. He took a hold of your spirit. He recreated it. He gave you a brand new life, a brand new heart, and a brand new identity. Don't go by your outward identity. Go by your inward identity. You've heard me say this over and over again. Inwardly, I am seven feet tall. I don't go by my outward identity. I go by my inward identity. Amen. Who I am in Christ. If I went by who I am on the outside, who would live? I wouldn't. Who would think anything of themselves? I wouldn't. Oftentimes when I first got called to the ministry, I said, Lord, were you asleep when uh, you called me? Did you wake up and just say, oh, the first one that you saw was me? You know, why would you do that? Who am I? I don't have the kind of education that I need or that I feel like I should have. And I can make a hundred point list as to why he shouldn't have called me. And I'm sure you all feel the same way about yourself. But God is saying to us, 
I have deposited something in you that cost me the very life of my son. I have taken you from that place that you're talking about. And on the inside, I have given you life. I've given you a new heart. I've given you a new nature, my divine nature. I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing. I have made you my righteousness. I have made you holy. And that's who you are on the inside. And your life is that meaningful, that valuable, so important, more than many sparrows. The life that you live on the inside comes from him. It's his life that he gave to us. Stop looking at who you are in the flesh. Stop, stop limiting yourself to who you think you are. And how much you think you can do. But start seeing who you are in me. Look at who you are on the inside. Look at the price I paid to make you my masterpiece. And start agreeing with what I said. But it's, it's a weeding process. It's the flesh does not want to let go. The flesh wants to be entertained. The flesh wants to voice how it feels. We can't let that happen. Anger wants to take over. Our emotions want to dictate to our speech. We can't let that happen. We say, how do we do it? Once again, it takes the supernatural power of the living God for us to be able to speak right things. And God says in his own word that when our lips speak right things, he rejoices over that. So he wants us to learn to speak right things. In the book of Psalms, look at Psalm 42. We all need weaned from our emotional feelings. We all need weaned from what we think of ourselves. Why art thou cast down? David said, O oh, my soul. David is now speaking to his soul, which is comprised of his mind, will, emotions, and intellect. Why are you cast down? Have you ever felt down, dejected? Have you ever felt discouraged and dismayed and all that? Sure, we all have. But he says, why are you that way? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. He's speaking to himself. His emotions are rising up and telling him something that's negative. And he says to his emotions, why are you this way? I will yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. That's called mental health right there. That's mental health. I will praise him for he is the health of my countenance and he is my God. He's speaking to himself. You could hear him saying this. Oh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and don't forget one of his benefits. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my disease. He redeems my life from destruction. He crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies my mouth with good things, and my youth is renewed like the eagles. So bless the Lord, O oh my soul. You know, by the time you get done quoting those first three, uh, four, four or five verses of Psalm 103, all that discouragement, all that disquieted within you, all that stuff that's going on, it just kind of passes by the wayside. Before you know it, you got a spring in your step. You don't even stop there. Then you go on and say, well, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I'm a more than a conqueror through him that loves me, a word overcomer by my faith. Now you are proclaiming who you are on the inside. It's coming to the outside through the renewed mind, and it's changing everything around you. It releases the very power of God. Proverbs 21, 23. Our words, look at this. Whoso keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. You got a troubled soul? There you go, right there to the word of God. Don't let it come out of your mouth. 
When the enemy tells you there's nothing you can do about your situation, when the enemy tells you you're going to be overcome by fear, when the enemy tries to tell you there's no way of escape, you're not going to get over this drug addiction, you're not going to get over this alcoholism, you're not going to get over this nicotine habit, and he says you can't do this and this pornography. And When he says that stuff to you, you make sure you stop, you ponder, you think, and you put something in your heart and in your mouth that agrees with the Word of God. The Word of God says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm calling myself free. I'm declaring myself free. I am weaning myself from my feelings and emotions. I'm refusing to allow them to dominate my life. It's in Him I live and move and have my being. My identity is in Christ. It's who I has in Him. It's because of Jesus I'm free. Not because of me. Not because of you, but because of Jesus, we are free. Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors through the one who loves us. Look at these verses. Mm. These are the words of Jesus. Powerful, powerful verses of Scripture that we really should all meditate. In Matthew, notice here what Jesus said. And this is under the heading of blasphemy. So in Matthew 12, 31 through 37... Wherefore I, now Jesus just got done casting out devils and healing people and setting them free. And they were made whole. The Pharisees accused him of doing it by the power of Satan, Beelzebub. That's how you're casting out devils. Jesus' response is striking. Look at what he says. Wherefore I say unto you all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoso speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good Things. You see where James got it from? He got it from Jesus. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure or deposits of his heart will bring forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure or deposits of his heart will bring forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof on the day of judgment. Every idle word. For by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. What a section of scripture for all of us to meditate. If that doesn't put some duct tape over the lips, I don't know what will. But there it is right there. But notice what I have here. This blasphemy is a sin of the tongue. It's not a sin of the foot or the eyes or the hand. It is a sin of the tongue. And I realize as Christians, sometimes we look at people that are committing this, that, and the other thing. And have no regard whatsoever for the, for the words that come out of our mouths. But blasphemy means to speak against. It means to rail against. To spew out some things that go against what God has spoken. In context, you're saying I cast out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. But that's a work of the Holy Spirit. And if you speak against the work of the Holy Spirit, you won't be forgiven in this life or the life to come. That's blasphemy, speaking out against the work of the Spirit. Well, I believe that God wants to work by His Spirit in all of our lives. And the Holy Spirit needs something to work with. You go back to the very beginning and what do you discover? He did nothing until the Word was spoken. And once the Word was spoken, then He moved 
upon the face of the deep and did everything that was spoken. So in other words, he needs to be activated in people's lives. When we speak against what he wants to do or what he can do, then he's, his hands are tied. He's not going to be able to accomplish that in our lives. But let's put it this way. Let's go to those that say that spiritual gifts are not for today. The spirit baptism is not for today. Tongues is not for today. That's okay if you want to say it like that. But I've heard many say tongues is of the devil. Look out. What did you say? Tongues is of the devil. When we speak against what the Holy Spirit does and attribute it to Satan himself, you're putting yourself in grave danger. But the whole context really involves this. The Holy Spirit needs us to speak the word in order for him to accomplish the purpose of the Father in our lives. So when you and I say, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Guess what? The Holy Spirit says, there's nothing I can do about that. But when you and I say, in the natural, I can't see myself being able to do that. But thank God I've got the life of God in me. And thank God I can do all things through Christ. Who is the strength of my life? When I start saying I can through him. When I start saying I'm more than a conqueror through him. Now the Holy Ghost is listening. And now he is moving. And now he can begin to work the work that he wants to work in my life. But as long as I keep saying I'm no good. I don't have any skills. I have no abilities. When I'm down on myself and my intellect and understanding and i say i can't do this and i can't do that you see we tie the hands of the spirit of almighty god he needs the word to work with it's only when we begin to proclaim confess declare acknowledge and decree who we are and what we have in christ that he has then the opportunity to take that and make it a reality in our lives for example there was this one individual that was uh, bound by nicotine and he said there's no possible way i've been to every healing evangelist and the ones that are popular on TV, I've gone to their meetings, they laid hands on me, they prayed for me, and so on and so forth, and still I am bound by nicotine. Well, I'm coming to you now, he says to this preacher, and the preacher says, okay, I'm not going to pray for you, I'm not even going to lay hands on you. Why should I? You've been to the best. He must have been the worst, I don't know. But he's been to the best, and nothing happened. You see, we always want to put it off on somebody else, don't we? He said, buddy, I'm going to tell you this right now. You go home. He goes, I know what you're going to tell me to do. Take this pack of cigarettes and just throw it out. No, I'm not. I'm going to tell you, go home and smoke one. But you know what? While you're doing it, I want you to start saying, nicotine, you have no power over me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to say it with everyone that you light up. You keep on talking to it. Do you know Mark 11:23? Jesus said, speak to your mountain. Speak to your mountain. Put, put that word of God in your mouth and start saying it to it. This guy came back two weeks later. He says, I just want to share something with you. I went to light up my first cigarette. I started to take a little bit of it. Before long, it was distasteful to me. 
I tried to do another one, but I kept on saying, you have no power over me. It was distasteful to me. Finally, I got to a place to where I couldn't stand the taste of it, threw it out and said, that's it. I'll never have another one again. And I was completely delivered and set free from that habit that I couldn't get free from through prayer or any other means. What was he doing? Releasing life that was already inside him. As he began to agree with the word of God and say that the son has set me free, I'm free indeed. And as he began to use his authority and say, you have no power over me. It activated the power of the Holy Spirit and he was delivered and set free. And I know people that have been delivered from nicotine, drug addiction, alcoholism. I mean, panic attacks and the whole thing, all of it going on. I could tell you when I first came here, this one woman was bound by all kind of drugs due to having all kind of emotional issues and panic attacks and all that sort of thing. Just very nonchalant. I mean, this, I'm talking 38 years ago when I first came here. Up in Calcutta at a gas station that was on the corner. It's no longer there anymore. And I walked in there just to buy something, uh, get some gas or whatever. And this person just started to tell me, I don't know how we got caught on this conversation. Oh, aren't you the pastor in that church in Midland? I said, yeah, that's right. Well, finally, she just says, well, I'm overcome. I'm on this. I'm on that medication, all these medications. And I said, well, you know that Jesus is the healer. Jesus is your deliverer. She came to church. And she heard this kind of message. And within a very short period of time, as she began to say, I am free from all this, she was off all medication, completely healed, and even went to school at Rainbow Bible Training Center. Just because she got a hold of the word. What's Mark eleven twenty three say? Let's put it up there so we can all see it. For verily I say, this is Jesus speaking, for verily I say unto you that whosoever, are you a whosoever this morning? shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that what he's saying will come to pass, what will he have? Whatever he says. That is the law of faith. And I found when I first came here that you may, let's say, um, trip over it, get into it and that, but... For the most part, people did not understand this law of faith. This law of faith, according to Jesus, will remove any mountain that stands between us and victory. But notice, he didn't say cry out to God. What did he say to do? Speak to your mountain. When's the last time you did that? Whether it's a, 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 it's a cigarette or a bottle of, of, of you know, drink or whatever, uh, pornographic material. Look at it and just say, you have no authority over my life. You will not control my life because you see death and life are in the power of the tongue. You will not take my life. You will not destroy my life. I will not die before my due season. I will live out the full length of my days. I will honor God the way I live and conduct myself. You see, unless we're starting to cooperate with the Holy Ghost, it's not going to happen. Because our feelings and emotions will dictate to our lives. We need weaned from them. I know it's a, not an easy process, you know, especially if you're, a, you know, a baby, not being weaned from your mother. Now, I'm not going to go through all this, but I noticed I put here confess and possess. Anybody want salvation? You got to confess Jesus as your Lord. Anybody want healing? You got to confess with his stripes I am healed. You want freedom? You got to acknowledge and confess I've been set free already because who the Son sets free is free indeed. And you've set me free and I'm free already. You want lion-hearted boldness? You know, Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth. That's a definition for jogging. 
just to give you an update on the new definition. But the righteous are bold as a lion, it says in Proverbs 28, verse 1. And then when it comes to redemption benefits, let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed from that. I'm redeemed from that. See, if we don't say so, Holy Ghost has nothing to work with. But when we start saying, I'm redeemed from that, I'm redeemed from that. You're giving the Holy Ghost something to work with, with the words that you speak. If you want uh, an unction to function, you know, we've got the Holy Ghost on the inside. The anointing abides on the inside of us. It's a yoke-destroying, bondage-breaking anointing. He says, you don't have any need to anybody teach you. You've got the anointing of God on the inside of you. So if we want an unction to function, we acknowledge that. I've got the Holy Ghost inside me. He is my comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, and standby. The next one, uh, a daily supply of all that we need. And that verse is wrong. It's Philippians 4, 19, not 13. So uh, bear with me on that one. My God supplies all my need, and he'll we'll have a daily supply. The next one, divine protection. God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in my time of trouble. Or if I want freedom from guilt, thank God I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And the law of life in Christ Jesus made me free from law, sin, and death. See, I've got to acknowledge that. I acknowledge every good thing in me. So because of Jesus, I have all these things. Because of Jesus, I've been liberated and set free. And look at the last one. This is the one that I have said over the years, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I probably say it every day, and I've said it every day for so many, 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 many years. It's actually impacted my life. The love of God is in me. I endure long. I'm patient and kind. I'm never envious. I never bowl over jealousy. I'm not boastful, vainglorious. I don't display myself haughtily. I'm not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride, rude, and manly. I don't, I don't act unbecomingly. God's love in me doesn't allow me to system my own rights or ways. I'm not self-seeking, touchy, fretful, resentful. I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. I don't rejoice in injustice or unrighteousness. I rejoice in right and truth prevail. I bear up under anything and everything that comes. I'm ever ready to believe the best about every person. My hopes are faithless under every circumstance of life. And I endure everything without weakening. I never fail, fade out, become obsolete, never come to an end because I am the love of God. And sometimes people will say, how come you can remain so calm and people are spewing out all those things about you? Because I am the love of God. See, it'll eventually take over your life, your conduct, your character, your behavior, and your attitude. But you, guess what? We must be serious about these things. Stop listening to the devil, the world, and the flesh. Stop listening to what your emotions are telling you and start saying, get behind me. I'm going to be weaned from my emotions. I'm going to walk with God. Look at the last verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. We say this all the time in our prayer uh, before we even study. The Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of God. Because of Jesus, we can be conformed by the spirit into his image. And so because of what Jesus has done, we have all this inside us. We're like sticks of dynamite waiting to be exploded. And the only way we're going to explode is by our confession of faith, by declaring that we believe in it and saying it with our mouths. Remember the law of faith? You've got to believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth. Do you believe you're a child of God this morning? You believe you got the unction to function on the inside, the Holy Ghost power. You believe he made you his righteousness. You believe you're already holy, set apart, unblameable, unreprovable in the sight of the living God. 
Do you believe greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world? You believe that your God will supply all your need according unto his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? You believe that Jesus is the strength of your life? That God is your refuge and strength, your present help in time of trouble? You believe you have this glory in an earthen vessel that's waiting to be unleashed and released in your life? Well, what is the key to doing it all? The tongue. Death and life are where? In the power of the tongue. This is not mind over matter. This is not metaphysical science, mind science religions. This is proclaiming, declaring, and decreeing the word of God above our feelings and emotions. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen.